What, what, what's up? Uh, that's my Max Headroom impersonation. I'm a kid of the 80s. That's as good as it gets. Folks, my name is Matt Connor. I'm here with Sterling Holmes. If you are here, then the trio is complete as we're sitting here ready to talk about and discuss all things Chiefs on the latest episode of this Arrowhead Addict podcast. It's Tuesday, August 1st, and the Chiefs took a day off. Folks, we're in the middle of training camp. Sterling, you're looking nice and sweaty and... And, wow. and tested. Thanks. I don't know. How are you doing? I, I mowed the lawn. Yeah. Come on, baby. Yeah, dude. You're you're getting your work in, too. We're all getting our summer work in. My biggest thing I noticed from the intro that we have now is uh, I used to have a mustache, and I love that thing. I, I feel like I need to grow that glorious bastard back out. But yes, the Chiefs had an off day, but we still have a lot of Chiefs news to get into. And before we do that, do we have some news for you. We have an undebatable offer for you from Caesars Sportsbooks. Uh, new customers can get their first bet insured up to 1250 bucks by using our code ARROWFULL. Not only will your first bet be completely insured, but you'll also be directly supporting the podcast. So if you haven't already joined Caesars Sportsbook, now is the perfect time to make your move. Just remember to enter code ARROWFULL during signup and place that first bet. That's A-R-R-O-W-F-U-L-L. This offer is available to new customers who are 21 plus and physically present legal gambling safe. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Please check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. Every time you do that, it's dazzling to me. It's it's like knowing that Jamal Charles could juke the way he did, and yet he still did it, and then you just... It's just incredible. Anyway, yeah, you, you got something special there. Let's do some quick hits here. Our boy Slothy in our Discord channel, which, by the way, uh, you should join. We'll give you details on that a little bit later on. But uh, we were looking for a little name here at the beginning of the show for our quick hits. And he said, how about Andy Reid all about it? And we're all about that one. So for our edition today of Andy Reid all about it. Thanks, Slothy. Sterling, I want to talk to you about just some quick hit things here. One, the Raiders today hosted Damian Williams, a former Chiefs superhero running back. Yesterday, they signed Darius Harris, a linebacker. Before that, they signed Marcus Peters. It's basically (laughs) only a matter of time until it's John McGraw, Savvy Piscatelli, (laughs) and Dan Sorensen manning all safety spots back there. What's even going on with the rival here? Is Justin Houston still a free agent? Because if so, that seems like a pretty, pretty Raider-y <laughs> signing out there. I will say there's never been a more Raider signing than Marcus Peters. That is a perfect marriage. I can't wait for that to happen and him to get pissed off and throw a flag into the stands uh, within the first 12 minutes of, uh, of the preseason. That's going to be outstanding. The Raiders are trying to get all the insight they can. They're trying to get former Chiefs because, well, the Chiefs have a phenomenal organization. The only issue is these are guys the Chiefs let go, whether it's for playing performance or because maybe they had a little bit uh, too much going on in the sense of Marcus Peters. The Raiders are trying anything, man. They're a bad team, but the worst team in the division. They actually somehow took a step back going from Derek Carr to Jimmy Garoppolo. They're trying, I think, anything to be semi-competitive, to not go 0-6 in the division. This is their way of saying, hey, Chiefs are a championship organization. Let's see if we can get any of that spice on our team. Oh, man. It, it, John it, Baldwin, you think he's has a chance? I think A.J. Jenkins and him come together 
in some sort of one of us should work sort of deal. Yeah, you know, the Raiders, It's I think they're going to be horrible this year. I think they're going to win four games. I think they're going to be in striking distance of drafting the kid out of USC, Caleb Williams, which would be really interesting if another number one quarterback drafted overall enters the AFC. It's going to be pure madness if that somehow doesn't go NFC. Although the Arizona Cardinals look about as horrible of a roster as you can get. So I guess you got to consider them the front runners, but uh, you know, the Raiders really aren't that much better. Are they? Is that some news that Tony Moyaki is all of a sudden going to, uh, I love it. I love it. By the way, Tony, if you're listening, we'd love to chat with you sometime. Yeah, I would love to have Tony. Don't feel bad if we're just throwing your name out there. We're we're naming former Chiefs. He should be glad that that's on our dome. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what we're thinking of. We think, I think about Tony Moyaki way more than the average human being. (laughs) Even Tony's mom is like, "Eh, probably more than me. I don't know. I really don't think about him. Anyway, (laughs) hey, let me throw you a curveball here, Sterling. Just a few minutes ago, came across Patrick Allen, our host on Thursdays, uh, and our beloved friend, someone whom I've written many love ballads about, 80s style, Kenny Rogers, like like Lady. Like, like, like Brett Michaels from Poison, a little bit mm. uh, from that elk, or maybe Heaven by Warrant. He is my of- mama's fallen angel. He is that for me. So, Patrick, if you're listening. Anyway, here we go. So, Patrick just sent me this uh, this thing from my, my friend Matt Lombardo, who's a great NFL reporter, by the way. But he was, he was making a list of potential trade partners for Jonathan Taylor, Indianapolis mm. Colts running back Jonathan Taylor. And Matt had a quote from an, AF, an unnamed AFC South scout who said, all 31 teams should be in on Jonathan Taylor. However, look out, he said, for the Chiefs, because, quote, here's the great quote. It would be like he could be the thunder to Isaiah Pacheco's lightning. Now, first of all, I'm thinking, when did Pacheco become the third down scat back (laughs) in this set, right? Yeah. But at the same time, so I read that and I think, all right, this guy has no idea what he's talking about. It's probably like Jerry Jones's son or something that someone is giving a favor to you. But. That first part, just wondering, like, total baloney here? Is it out? Yeah. (laughs) What? Training for a running back in this offensive system and scheme is one of the most ridiculous ideas. I'm not not saying you, obviously, Connor. I'm just saying in general, it makes no sense. The Chiefs literally won a Super Bowl with an undrafted guy. Uh, they, They have won a Super Bowl with a seventh rounder being the guy. If there was ever a team to say, hey, yeah, no reason to spend big money on a running back, this is that team. They bleeped up once drafting Clyde in the first round. Don't double down and bleep up again. Like, I like Jonathan Taylor in a in a vacuum, right? He's also had multiple injuries already in his yep. career. Now there's some he said, he said going on with what is going on with his back. I understand he wants to get paid. Everyone wants to get paid. Hell, I want to get paid. But guess what? You got to bring something more to the table. He's a really good running back. He's a above average pass catcher. But you've noticed the trend. If you are a outstanding pass catching back, you will get paid a little bit more than just these straight up. You're good on first and second down, pounding the rock types. Again, they are probably underpaid for what uh, the punishment that they receive game in and game out. But guess what? That's the nature of the beast. It's the NFL. They're still making multi-millions of dollars. The game always evolved. Wide receivers, that 
uh, market has exploded. Quarterbacks, that market has exploded. I am sorry, but that's the way it is. I feel bad for running backs, but it ain't going to change. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was just getting ready to bring up Jesse shot brings up something here. I was getting ready to say the same. What if they did just say, give me Clyde and a fourth. If the money's about not similar, a fourth, not a fourth. No, no chance out. Cause you're getting, you're getting one year. You're not, you're not going to resign him. This would strictly be a rental. You're not going to pay yep. 10 plus million. Cause a team will still play. will still pay about 10 plus million dollars, but you're talking about a compensatory pick there. That would probably match what you're trading. If that, if it matches outstanding, I'm in. If not, I am all the way out. Okay. It is, this is a rental. The Chiefs should not be anywhere near the market of paying 10 plus million dollars a year. Sure, sure. Yeah, and again, compensatory, great. That's fine. If you want to use compensatory, I'm all in. I'm just saying this is a rental. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. The Chiefs have one of the cheapest and quite frankly, one of the most well-rounded running back rooms in the NFL. I will always see this. It's great when you see what one running back does. You look at the numbers, it's outstanding. But then you see the same thing that the Chiefs bring in. It's done differently. It's done with Pacheco, with Clyde, with Jerick McKinnon, and maybe Daenerik Prince. Yeah, those four guys equal one. But at the same time, those one running backs, you put up all of the numbers, they still have guys in the roster. They're still backup running backs. You're not saving any roster spots. Yeah. There's no there's there's no savings there. I mean, to me, I I think the NFL is starting to realize that it doesn't make any sense and running back by committee makes the most sense. Yeah. Uh, you know, we just saw that with uh, you know, we were just talking about Damian Williams, the ghost of Damian Williams. It's like the the Chiefs can pluck a guy out. He becomes a postseason hero for the ages, and then he goes on and really does nothing afterward because it, like that's just how volatile that spot can be, how easily replaced guys can be. I do want to talk about something more fun here because running backs is as fun as uh, the cheap ones are on Kansas City. Talking about Jonathan Taylor bums me out because I do not want to see the Chiefs bring him <laughs> in and then give him a large contract. Uh, how about Mahomes throwing those behind the pa- uh, the behind the back dimes? This dude is throwing like 20 yards in the air behind his back, just just right there on the money. I don't know if we'll actually ever see Mahomes do this in a legitimate game, but I will say it's kind of fun to know that it's back there, like against the Broncos. We never thought he'd bust out a left-handed throw, yet we saw one. I'm not saying he does bring this out, but just for example, say there's someone coming at him this way. Instead of taking a sack, maybe you just have a little little, little RB screen right there. Now, I get it. It's not the most safe play in the world, and I would love to know the rulings behind it. Because you know when you're on the goal line and you pitch forward, that's a forward pass. It's smart. That way, if it's incomplete, it's not a fumble. Yeah. Going behind the back. I'd love to know the intricacy, intricacy. You know the word I'm talking about that I'm just befuddling. Not <laughs> understand what is happening to me. I smell toast. I can't say right now. You know. The- <laughs> you mean you mean intric- intricacy? It's hard. Intricacy. Yeah, it, yeah, that word. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, dude. You know when you say a word a lot, and then, you, like and then you, and it doesn't sound like it's a, a real word. Real. Gosh, the small details. The small details be behind the behind the back throw. I'm laughing too hard right now. I would like to know that. Yeah. Either way, I do think it's something that we probably won't see, but I'm still back in my mind thinking it'd be pretty fun if in a legitimate situation, the the DN's bearing down on him. He sees Pacheco right there, just a nice little Jason Williams white chocolate behind the back. And I can say nuances. Okay, Ronald, I see you. I can say nuance. You know there's going to be some variation of snow globe. 
this year. You know, some sort of crazy play that they've tried that they're going to pull out. I love the idea of behind the back passes. Although I will say, uh, you know, it, it's not the most efficient play. If the ball loses a little bit of speed, that's that much more, you know, uh, the, the anticipation of opposing defensive backs can be a little bit problematic there. But yeah, I'm with you. I think it's great. I, I love watching it. The fans eat this up in camp. Eat it up. Why not? Uh, yeah, I'm all for it. Up next, Nazi Johnson. I am sad. I am depressed. I am heartbroken. I was trying to tell folks he's going to be the new Chris Lamonds. Uh, he was going to be the special teams ace. He was when Chris Lamonds was picked up. He was he was released and picked up by the Bengals. More of a stash. Hey, bleep you, Kansas City move. And then yeah. the Chiefs were like, all right, we have our own guy, seventh rounder from the year before. Let's throw Nazi Johnson into the mix. And he was outstanding in that special teams role. All of a sudden, you start to see him getting some reps with the cornerback room this year. Now, I don't take a whole bunch into first team first team reps uh, in training camp, especially at cornerback wide receiver or running back. They wrote, uh, rotate these guys through so often. That didn't mean a ton to me, but the fact that he was actually getting legit snaps at cornerback meant at least a little bit because we heard maybe safety. If he was a safety, there was no room at cornerback. Well, maybe there is. But Nazi Johnson going down with a torn ACL out for the season. It sounded like it happened when the Chiefs moved inside. They went from grass into turf. Really early on, he went down. I feel horrible for Nazi Johnson. What does this mean for him, his future in Kansas City, and the Chiefs in general, especially in regards to the cornerback room, the secondary, and special teams? I, you know, I, I feel horrible for the kid because he did really seem poised for something. Trent McDuffie was asked about him, um, or was asked about the young guys in particular, and McDuffie pointed out his play, his elevated play. Um, Dave Tobe had talked about his elevated play. Spags at one point had talked about his elevated play. There had been a number of players and coaches point him out specifically and say, hey, this guy's made the leap. What I love about it is he's the third, seventh rounder of that bunch, right? Like Jalen Watson's already made his impact. Isaiah Pacheco already made his impact. And then the third is Johnson there out of Marshall, where honestly most NFL draft sites don't even have a scouting report out there about this guy. You know, he's drafted so late at like 259. So the fact that Veach had an eye on him, knew he couldn't probably sign him after the draft, said, we don't need another defensive back, but I'm not letting that guy go. And then Johnson rewarded his efforts by looking ready for the for the part. So it would have been one of those great stories. You hate to see guys like that go down when they're fighting so hard to be seen in the first place. I think I think I just feel for him in that way. But in a crowded room, that is good news for Nick Jones. Uh, it's good news for maybe DiCaprio Boodle, uh, some others who are fighting for that spot. But uh, but yeah, I hope we see Johnson back on the field uh, next year, ready to reclaim uh, the spot where he left off. Yeah, and I do wonder to an extent, the Chiefs were really took care of Marcus Kemp to an extent. Yeah, You know, Marcus Kemp had multiple injuries. They kind of held on to, hey, when you're back, yeah. we got a special team role for you. And then Marcus Kemp in return rewarded them by staying ready and making a huge catch in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a special teams ace. And then when he got his number called, he made a massive catch. I wonder if the Chiefs have a little similar situation with Nazi Johns. I don't think his Chiefs career is over even being a seventh rounder, even with the secondary uh, log jam that they currently have. I do think part of me believes that, hey, all right, they're sitting here saying, Nazi, you get healthy, get ready for next year. That special teams role will be there. And if you can fight your way on as a cornerback, that'll be outstanding. But And maybe I'm a little misguided here, but just the fact they did that with Marcus Kemp makes me believe that if you were that valuable on special teams, 
they'll they'll find a role for you, injured or not. Yeah, I, I think so. I really think so. The thing is, you know, look, he's got another two years on this team going forward. There's two more years on the rookie deal. There's time here. But this log jam is not going anywhere, right? The Chiefs could lose Legereus Sneed this offseason, and it may even look that way given, like, you know, extensions and what's talked about, what's not talked about. But even after that, you still have Joshua Williams, who, by the way, is looking very good in camp this year. Jalen Watson already claimed an outside starting role. Trent McDuffie, who is elevating his game to be the new leader of the secondary. You know, and then you got Nick Jones, you got Josh, you got some of these other guys out there. Even this year, they gave a big bonus to Reese Taylor as yeah. a as a UDFA. Was he the guy from uh, from Purdue? Yes, yes. Yeah, that guy's rel- – I don't know if anyone ever does this. Maybe I'm just because I'm a, I'm a freaking nerd. Uh, There's like RAS, the relative athletic score. Yeah. If you look that up, it was hard not to get excited by Reese Taylor. That was the guy I looked at and said when, when he was brought in as a UDFA or signed, I said, that's a guy that might not be anything this year. Wait a year, maybe two, let him get right. a little bit more polish. You can't teach that athleticism. You can't. You can't. He was exciting for them to bring in. There's just a lot of great depth, you know, not including who's going to be tra- signed or drafted next year. So, yeah, this is a loaded unit. Johnson's always going to have to compete to get his spot. Now he has to work extra hard. But if you're listening, uh, certainly we're, we're for you, man. And and it was it was awesome to see you coming through the pipeline this year. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, before we go any, any farther, everyone listening right now, if you are a member, you already know this. If you don't know this and you are a member, well, now you do. Happy hour is Tuesday, August 8th at 6 p.m. Central. All right, 6 p.m. Central, August 8th. A lot of fun. Happy hour. If you want to join this, if you want to be part of the membership, you want to have some fun with with all the fellas and Arrowhead Addict, make sure you subscribe. Uh, There's going to be a link in the description, if I'm not mistaken. But the AA membership is so much fun. We talk music. We talk sports. We talk Chiefs, obviously. But we talk a plethora of other things. Uh, During this season, people who are going to games. Uh, You know, if we go to Casey Beer Co., you guys will be the first to know if we hang out there. If we want to talk Royals, or if you are a St. Louis fan, which surprisingly there's so many Chiefs fans and Cardinals fans. Couldn't be me. Okay, couldn't be me. But I know you guys are out there. There's a whole entire section for you guys to talk Cardinals baseball in there. I know it's not fun for any baseball fan here in the Metro or in Missouri. But, you know, we have it. That's the whole point. We have something for everyone, even cooking ideas. So if you want to join the membership, check it out. A lot of fun. Happy hour again, 6 p.m. Central on August 8th. Next Tuesday. Next week. Yeah, next Tuesday. One week from tonight. Yes. Uh, in fact, you could roll with us on the podcast and then roll straight into the happy hour. That's that's how we set it up for you. Hang out with us all night. So look, it's August 1st. Let's get serious for a minute. I didn't think, I thought a deal would be done in mid-July. Then I thought a deal would be done in late July. The calendar has turned. We've all ripped off our far side you know, papers or Calvin and Hobbes. I don't know. I've got dogs in firefighter uniform calendar sitting here. Anyway, my Pekingese, I ripped it off, and then now it's in August. And the thing is, Chris Jones is still missing. Like, like very real football is coming up soon. NFL starts next month. Chris Jones is still missing. Did you think this was going to go on as long as it has? And are you concerned now that we're in an entirely new month? No, I did not think it was going to go uh, go this long. Um, I really thought when Quinn Williams signed, I thought, all right, here we go. Here we go. A- any day now. 
And then it went from any day now to August 1st. And when August 1st, what that means, you can no longer say it's July. July makes it seem like, oh, no big deal. It's July. I get it. It's August 1st, but it's still August. I won't be necessarily nervous until August 13th, first preseason game. Okay. That's when I will be nervous. Um, My concern is all the reports saying there's a huge chasm or there's a huge gap in between where the Chiefs are and where Chris Jones is. Um, I've said it before, so bear with me. But when Chris Jones kept saying he wants to be a Chief for life, I always kind of said, all right, take it with a grain of salt. The reason being, of course, he wants to be a Chief for life, but at a certain price. Same thing with Daniil Hunter with the Vikings when he finally signed that deal the other day. And he goes, yeah, I've always wanted to be a Viking. I wanted to stay a Viking. Well, yeah, you wanted to stay a Viking for 17 mil per season. <laughs> like for 15, you were out. You you, you would have gone anywhere else. Yeah. 17, like, yeah, I'll be a Viking. I've always wanted to be a Viking. Like th- that always makes me laugh. These guys all have their their politics they play to make them beloved to the fan base. I want to be a chief. Yeah, you do. But again, for a certain price, I'm not necessarily nervous yet. I think at some point, Andy Reid might have to be the guy to say, all right, come on, Brett. When is Chris Jones going to be here? I need to know. I need to know if he is going to be here and he's going to be ready game one, or am I going to have to retool and redo my entire defensive game plan, entire uh, defensive scheme? Because at some point they have to do this. It's going to come down to almost Andy Reid and Spag saying, I need to know what I'm working with. Let me ask you something. If, if the chiefs decide we can't pay this guy and Jones decides you got to pay me to see me there, like the big bucks. And it comes down in the same way it did the Tyreek Hill, a trade. Is there anything at this stage of the calendar in the NFL that a team could offer the Chiefs that would even make it worth their while to trade Jones away in the preseason? Like you like you'd think you'd think they would have traded him in March if they were ever gonna trade him. And now it seems absolutely silly to trade your cornerstone one month before the season begins. I like I think even I feel dumb asking the question. And yet, yeah. and yet, I also would have felt dumb saying the same thing about Tyreek Hill. And if people said they saw that coming, they're total revisionist history there because both sides were headed for a deal. And I would have even said, sure, pay him top dollar. That's fine. That's it's Tyreek Hill. That's what you have. So I guess I I don't want to say never you know the never say never thing but is there anything out there a package what like what would even tempt you to go it would be multiple first rounders and a, you know he's on a one year he's technically under contract yep. he's under contract this year yep. you're obviously trading to a, trading him to a team who understands they're giving him an extension because yeah he's under contract this year you technically have at least one or two franchise tags following it would take so much. I don't even have anything off the top of my head to say, yeah, that'd be a fair trade. You're talking multiple firsts, though. In today's NFL, I think he's even more important than Tyreek Hill. It's the quarterback and who affects the quarterback more than anything else. Sure. I love Tyreek Hill. I think he's a top three wide receiver in the NFL. But at the end of the day, wide receiver, in my opinion, is not as important, especially when you have Patrick Mahomes as – someone who gets after the quarterback and changes the entire defense for you. Yeah. So I think Chris Jones is more important than Tyree kill. And I think you would have to see that in any sort of draft compensation. I think you have to get more back than what you receive for Tyree kill. If a team like the bears, if a team like, um, I don't know, some, someone with some money to burn a, a need across the defensive front, whatever, if they said, yeah, let's start. We got two first rounders. We're willing to give you, and then we can talk some other pieces. Like, would you be open to that conversation? 
I mean, it all comes down to it. We're not privy. We're not behind the scenes. So how how far off off are they really? If, if Brett Veach is seriously sitting here saying, hey, 26 is my my max, and Chris says, hey, I'm not taking less than 30, then I think you have to have those conversations. I'm not ready to have those conversations yet. Sure. I still think it's silly if you were even $2 million off. I, I think it's so silly to don't get sideways. Now, I understand – I know people in the chat, they're talking about, hey, I, you know, I, I, I'm over these players holding the team hostage. Hey, I'm with you, man. But it's the nature of the beast. It's the way the game is played. When they get to their final year, if you are a superstar, you very rarely see that. You redo your contract. Um, the Chiefs probably knew that when they signed him, and Chris Jones knew that when he signed the contract. If you outplay that contract, that final year, you almost will never see um, Jerry Jones is kind of getting sideways with Zach Martin down there. He's one of the best guards in football, right? And Jerry Jones has been known to take care of guys, you know, took care of Dak, Ezekiel Elliott, looks like CD Lamb, but it looks like Zach Martin's, he's drawn the line. I wonder if owners around the NFL are all going to eventually say, hey, no longer, we're not going to be held hostage. You're seeing it with the running back position. But that's a position that does not matter. Yeah. Defense line, very important position. I don't know if they're there yet. I, um, again, I'm just floored. You and I have talked about this before, but I'm floored that there could be this big of a difference in what the two sides have been asking for. Like, I, because, but what do you think it could be? Because I mean, again, what I brought up is, you know, if the technical minimum would be 24, like 0.5 for the chief side, right? Correct. Because of Quinn Correct. Williams, right? Correct. And the absolute max for for Chris Jones would be, let's just say, 31. Correct. And that's still seven. That's about six and a half to seven million per year. No, I, I mean I agree with you. I guess I'm saying I guess it's possible, and we don't know that Jones looks at Aaron Donald and says, "I'm younger than you. I just played better than you. I should get paid better than you." And if you think that that, that is wrong thinking, well, guys fall for this all the time. I mean, just look at what Jonathan Taylor is 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 doing with the. Like Jonathan Taylor and his agent are doing everything wrong in Indianapolis. I don't know if you're following the saga, but they're they're like saying all the wrong things, doing all the wrong things. The Colts have all the leverage and the power, and the, it's crazy. He Taylor has the dumbest agent in football, the yes. dumbest agent in football. Yes. So I'm not saying Jones has a dumb agent, but it's possible that a player's ego mixed with his hopes and dreams, mixed with some agent up talk could have him maybe justifying scenarios that are completely unrealistic. And Brett Veach could be sitting there going, look, I'm going to 28 for you, man, but you got to meet me somewhere. The one thing I will say, Chris Jones would get 28 easy on the open market. Yep. I don't I don't think there's any any doubt in my mind. The Chiefs will not be the highest bidders realistically. I mean, there's no way we'll ever probably know this unless he does get traded or, or signed somewhere else which again, we, we hope doesn't happen. I'm not even saying does happen. I don't think it happens, but we won't know. But I guarantee you the Bears would say, hey, we'll give them 30, 31. I mean, the Chiefs wouldn't be the highest bidders. Nope. We know that. Nope. Some other team that has a way more room to work with, a, a quarterback on a rookie deal, I mean, they'll have more room. Yep. It comes down to how much less is Chris Jones willing to take to be on what has been a Super Bowl winning multiple times over now, um, you know, a, a place where he's beloved, a place where he's going to go up and look up when it's all said and done and see his name in the ring of honor. How much do you value that? How much do you value playing your career with one team? I know we had a chance to talk to Tim Grunard. He's like, that's a huge reason why he stayed in Kansas City. You know, he knew he could have made more money elsewhere. He could have played in other teams. He goes, no, but I wanted to stay here my whole life. Don't mess with Happy. He yep. didn't want to mess with Happy. Chris Jones 
while I get where he's coming from, you know, again, outplayed Aaron Donald, younger than Aaron Donald, how much do you want to risk messing with happy? Yeah. You're getting paid in 31 million, but you're on a, you're on a five win bears team. I think you're messing with happy. <laughs> Let's talk about confidence. Let's talk about your confidence index here. Then it's August one. There's no Chris Jones. I actually want to talk about the defensive line without Chris Jones here in just a minute. But like, as we talk about training camp and, and uh, guys who are standing out guys who are not, but, what do you like your what's your confidence index that a deal is done sometime in the next week or two with Chris Jones in the next yes. week or two? Yes. Um, a long term contract extension, five, six. It, it's just tough, man. I get where he's coming from. This is his last big payday. Like, I just understand both sides, and both sides aren't wrong. Someone's just going to have to crumble first. That's what it comes down to. Um, yeah. Both sides aren't wrong. Chris Jones deserves to be the highest paid 30 plus million per year. No doubt. But the Chiefs also are sitting here, hey, saying, hey, you know, Mahomes took a pay cut. Travis Kelsey's taking a pay cut. You know, we love to have you here. But and I guess if you're also Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes, if you say, hey, why are we taking pay cuts if you're not going to keep Chris Jones? That's the other side of the coin. Yeah, I'm with, I'm with you. Let's go to some comments here just because um, we got some good thoughts here. Edifying says, Post-retirement opportunities should be a consideration. Mm -hmm. Greater somewhere, you are a beloved legend. Totally true, man. Totally true. Be someone the fans can hang their hat on, and they will hang their hat on you for as long as you're around. So I think that's great. Angry, drunken German. There's nothing that you could argue that Jones has done to take away from his payday. He is the perfect player and person for this team. I'm pretty sure that's Chris Jones typing that, by the way. But... (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Justin Hayes says, I would go where I get paid straight up. I do not blame the dude. Totally, you guys. Totally. Totally. Any of us, any of us, no matter how many M's were already in the bank account, would go for the most amount of M's. And when I say M's, I mean billions of dollars. And uh, finally, Flapjack City says, training camp is turning into UFC 292. Someone (laughs) call Dana White. Hey, by the way, Travis Kelsey throwing some punches. Does that bother you at all? Not really. He shouldn't have done it. I mean, let's be real. What was it? Uh, Jack Conkren was that who it was? Yeah, that's kind of happened a couple that. times now. There's yeah, Boodle I think got into it with him a little bit too. Well, chippiness. I, I I don't have a major issue. I get people saying, you know, well, it's like Draymond Green sucker punching or not su- punching Jordan Poole. I'm like, no, it's not basketball. You don't do that. Like, you don't. You get up in each other's faces, you get in each other's grill, but you don't throw hands. Football, we know this. Every single year, there's multiple training camp fights. It's a much more physical sport. It's almost allowed. It's almost celebrated. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a, hey, this is a physical sport, and I'm going to try and show my, my willpower over you. Yeah. I don't like that he did it, but at the same time, I'm not going to rip on the dude. He also put out an apology on Twitter, and quite frankly, it's not for us to decide. It's up for him. Uh, his teammates and especially, you know, Boodle or, or, or Jack Conkren to say, Hey, are we good? Are we, are we cool here? Because again, what, what he did was not malicious. Conkren was just after the play, trying to get the ball. It's what you do. You can't tackle these guys. So you're trying to be a little bit more physical. I like the fiery nature. I, I'd almost prefer that than just sitting back and just being soft, you know? Yeah. Don't be Charmin ultra soft. It's fine. <laughs> I'm with you, which by the way, we're looking for a dog. Uh, our friend's got a Labradoodle. I'm looking for a breeder of a DiCaprio Boodle, but I can't find one. I don't know where to get one of those, but they look cute. They're nice and uh, and playful athletic dogs. Anyway, that's a bad joke. Just trying to make a Boodle joke as best I can. So moving forward, 
let's look at some training camp heroes and zeros, my friend. Sterling, we're we're pretty well into training camp. In fact, the Chiefs had their veterans in a few days before the majority of NFL teams. So the Chiefs are actually further ahead, deeper into camp, more practices, more padding practices, more. What does that mean? Like as, as you're looking at camp, as you're reading reports, as you're watching some plays, practices, I'm wondering for you, who are some of the guys that like, is there is there a guy or maybe a couple guys that you're like, this guy's been a hero at camp and I love seeing it. Like, like who has you most excited so far? I can't believe I'm saying this. I can't believe it. Justin fucking Ross. Oh, I cussed like I, I, I am that enthused. By I thought you were going to joke and say Richie James. No, man. Like I, I've been very tempered on expectations for Justin Ross, and I, yeah. I, I, I will still say, yeah. I will still say they're, they're still tempered. Okay, like I'm not going to say he's going out for a thousand yards and he's taking over as wide receiver one, but my goodness, what he has been doing is beyond impressive. Yeah. Um. I, Mahomes is throwing him a lot of 50-50 balls just to try and test and see what he can come down with. He brings something different to the table than what the rest rest of the wide receivers do. Maybe you could say Rasheed Rice brings something of a of a similar similar ilk, but I, I still think Justin Ross is more of a go up and get it. I mean, MVS is big, but MVS isn't a red zone threat. Justin Ross, this is his game. He's your prototypical X wide receiver. I'm still going to be a little cautious but it's now firmly cautiously optimistic i know i'm a little bit of a going against my typical word here i was so down on josh gordon i still remember this very well matt connor when the chiefs got josh gordon you were excited a lot of people were were excited said no 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 he's not been good in like five years i'm out on this look back he's not been good since 2019 he was (laughs) injured 20 he came back he he played through some injuries and it wasn't trevor lawrence like and all that stuff you but he wasn't the same. The, yep. the explosiveness was was gone. But you're seeing him at training camp. And it's not just one play here or one play there. It's the consistency. That's what stands out. It's not just the occasional Twitter highlight. It's the fact that everyone has noticed the consistency. Man, Justin Ross is getting me excited. I mean, they the Chief, you know, we've said this before. The Chiefs themselves are pumping Ross's stock up. You know, like like even their own social media making a big deal about the plays he makes in camp, sending out the highlights. Uh, yeah, this is a this is big. This is big. And by the way, today Pete Sweeney, uh, our friend over Arrowhead Pride, um, great guy, reporter, you know, threw out his projections today. Said, "Hey, look, here's my next round of uh, predicting the 53 man roster." And he says, "Hey, I'm 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 finally convinced. I've got I've got Ross in." I- I will say I do think Kadarius Tony being hurt or having this injury bug and just everything about it makes Justin Ross first off is his chance of making the team skyrockets. Sure, um, but but also it just helps in general. You're seeing more and more because the whole talk going into training camp was Kadarius Tony. Yep. it was all Tony. I still think Tony's going to be the most explosive player on this roster as far as wide receivers. But you're you're getting more. Justin Ross, and I think it's for good reason. I will say the wide receiver room as a whole has been getting a lot more buzz than I think the national media and even fans here in Kansas City have realized. Now, I kept telling folks, this is not a bad wide receiver room. When I said I don't want DeAndre Hopkins for multiple years, this is why. It wasn't a bad wide receiver room. And again, we still have games to be played. I mean, I get it. It's the best shape of your life season, all that stuff. They weren't bad. They're unproven. And what we're seeing so far 
it's hard to not be enthused. Yeah, you br- look, Justin Ross deserves all the applause he's gotten. He, he's looking great in camp. You know, you hope he sustains that and stays healthy. But you're right, beyond that, look, Rasheed Rice is looking great. He's looking great in his first camp. He does not look overwhelmed. He does not look behind the times. He doesn't look like he's going to be waiting in the wings for an opportunity. He looks he looks great. Uh, how about that Nico Remigio kid, right? I mean, even on returns, he looks like like a solid electric option. He's got some dynamism back there. You know, he's impressed with his, like he's got some good quotes from some of the chief's assistants and, and Dave Tobe, you know, likes him on special teams. I, I just like a lot, like this room is a good room. When you're talking also about MVS, Sky Moore is looking like the part who's going to be the volume target. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, you said it's not, it, don't be down on them. They're just unproven. Yeah. And now they're getting slowly the chance to prove themselves, even if it's not a game. And uh, yeah, it, it's great. Plus, we haven't talked about Richie James, who's also looked wonderful in camp. Yeah. Uh, Justin Watson, I think, should be slightly nervous. Again, I, I don't know how serious and how long Kadarius Tony will be out. I, I, I imagine it's the six we have talked about, including Justin Watson, until Kadarius Tony returns. That's the way I see it breaking down. Maybe they keep seven wide receivers just because of the injury concerns. Uh, I, I will say I don't think you can stash Justin Watson on the practice squad. First off, I don't know contract-wise. I don't have that pulled up in front of me. But I will also say with Justin Watson – he had apparently, from what I have heard, he had multiple teams vying for his services. He chose to stay here in Kansas City. It wasn't yeah. just, uh, well, this is the only place I can play because of special teams in the back end. No, other teams I've, I've been I've been hearing had some interest in Justin Watson. He, he chose to stay here in Kansas City. That also tells me he believes he's a good chance of making the team, of course. But I'm intrigued to see how this all plays out when it's said and done. Yeah, it's a little surprising to me. I mean, clearly Brett Veach felt he had to add a second year to that deal for Justin Watson in order to bring him in. So that vibes with the fact that there was more competition there for his services in the free agent market than there was. I'm surprised he brought him back. Although every team, every team has those guys that don't jump on the stat sheet, but they are the favored sons of the coaches, right? Like somehow, you know, the team falls in love with guy X and you're like, well, I don't know why he's around, but, you know, he is. When it comes to Nico Remigio, I think it's a fun story. You know, he looked good when it was just rookies and quarterbacks there. Uh, I don't doubt he's a great returner. I don't see a legit shot of him making the team. He seems no, no, to no. the squad stash, yeah, um, especially with Dave Tobe pretty much tipping his hand, saying, yeah, it's, it's Richie James back there in punt returns. Yeah, Obviously not verbatim, but that's – the way it looks right now with Dave Tobe, what he has said so far, sounds like Richie James will be the punt returner. Um, I don't see Remigio a way of him making the roster. A couple other guys that have stood out, um, you know, Daneric Prince. Uh, I think Trent McDuffie has stood out. I think Daneric Prince has been the offseason favorite, the the darling, if you will. If it's not Justin Ross, it's Prince. We all love a undrafted story, a seventh-rounder, undrafted man. Uh, everyone likes to see that guy make an impact, make the roster, and then take off. We saw it last year, obviously, with Isaiah Pacheco. I still pump the brakes. For every seventh-round running back that makes an impact, you have a Cyrus Gray, right? You have a Darwin Thompson, okay? I, I like the size. I like the speed. I like what he brings. But, again, he was undrafted for a reason, Okay. There, there's always a reason. There's always going to be some concerns. I like Daneric Prince. Justin Ross has swayed me. 
I'm, I'm, I'm fine on Daenerys Prince. I'm fine on him. I'm not going to sit here and say that he's the next great uh, undrafted free agent running back the Chiefs have found. And Darren Thompson, I think, was a fifth or a sixth round. I know it wasn't seventh, but the point still remains a late round running back. Yeah. Daenerys Prince is interesting because Dave Tobe likened him to Niall Davis, right? Who was actually a, a third round pick yeah. of John Dorsey. And, and you know, had uh, Davis was more electric back there. I mean, I think. But that said, you know, Prince has caught every pass his way this preseason. But look, you are right. Look, we can get excited about these guys. But look, what? How, like two years ago, was it Doris Fountain, right? Yeah. And we were all going bananas like, oh, my gosh, who's this guy? He's going to turn into the next, like, what, like we found a new Albert Wilson who's going to climb the depth chart, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, then Fountain never really works out other than like a practice squad guy. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's, um, I even want to tap my brakes with Ross. I want to tap the brakes with, with Prince, certainly with Remigio, but it's nice to see these guys stand out. Let me ask you a little bit about Trent McDuffie, by the way. If, you know, Trent McDuffie was a first round pick, um, last year looked great in, in a partial season after he had to sit out, um, with a little bit due to injury and a hamstring injury before the bye. His ceiling, though, is first round corner, prototypical press guy, versatile guy who can, who can really lock down anyone. You know, on the on the and that who could, who could stay with his man anywhere in the middle of the field as that like premier slot, and he could also play bigger than himself and go outside too on the boundary. Having like a true lockdown is like I don't even know if you would have called Charverius Ward that. I will. I would. I I I am I am such a huge Charverius Ward fan, and you saw what he did last year in San Francisco. Um, I think part of it was San Fran's defense as a whole is yep. better than Kansas City. So I think you yep. saw him take that next jump. But if you look at the analytical numbers, you look at the totality numbers from Trevor's Ward last year with San Fran, he was just, just incredible. And I know some people are going to say, you know, they always – they never gave Shavarius Ward, in my opinion, a lot of folks the, the credit that he deserved. Now, I know I might be a little biased. I was I was out there early. I was out there early saying Shavarius Ward, he's my guy. He's going to be a, a legit corner for the Chiefs. And he, he was. But people have this mindset of you get burned by DK Metcalf. You get burned in one game. That stands out. He got burned in prime time. And my whole thought process is Jalen Ramsey is known as the best cornerback in football. How often has he gotten burned? Travis Kelsey made him look silly. Every cornerback gets burned at some point. Sure. Not everyone is going to be, um, you know, Jarrell Revis. You don't really see that in the NFL anymore to begin with, just based on the rules. You can't be as physical as you once were in the NFL. That's now going to be a penalty. Uh, I think Shavarius Ward is, is a legit top 10 CB, top 15 in the NFL. So whatever you want to say for lockdown or not, I think top 15 in my mind um, in today's iteration of how you can say lockdown corner he would be i get i get what you're saying i'm not i'm not anti charverius ward i guess i would say i believe the ceiling for mcduffie trumps ward and pretty much anyone else in the last five to seven years maybe more in kansas city marcus peters is the only other name i'd throw yes yeah i i'm i'm with you 100 that being the case early returns are he came in this year and is like yep he looks the part like like you make those picks for one year in advance. You so they made the pick, and then now this year they're you know it's like oh yeah he's looking like the first round pick that they want him to be with a high ceiling whatever. What do you think that does for a secondary that's already so young and deep and good, but now having that kind of a guy come into his own? I think it's huge, man. I mean it's huge because Jalen Watson is really good. 
for, for a seventh round, but he was really solid last year. I don't know what the upside is for, for Jalen Watson. Okay. Yeah. Joshua Williams, on the other hand, I think has a ton of upside, but he's really, really raw. Yep. He was good last year. And both those guys are, are fine, but I don't see any of them turning into a legit lockdown cornerback one. It makes your life so much easier when you have that on your team. I'm with you. I think Trey McDuffie can be that. And again, we haven't even mentioned Legereus Sneed because there's still that will he, won't he, what the deal's going on. Yeah. Is he going to be here? We're just talking about the young, young, young guys because Legereus Sneed is still pretty young. But we're talking about the young, young, young guys. McDuffie is so intelligent and so smart. I think his game is going to translate so well. He's not the most athletic guy in the NFL, especially at cornerback, right? I mean, he doesn't have the, the size of these huge cornerbacks. He doesn't have the arm length. That was the huge knock against him. But he's so smart. He uses his body so well. And I don't think it's going to cause penalties to arise. I think it's the fact that he finds ways to maneuver these wide receivers to the sidelines. He finds ways to outsmart the, these, these quarterbacks and wide receivers and, and puts himself in the correct position. That means so much. Trent McDuffie looked like a veteran, and he was a rookie last year, even with those injuries. Mm-hmm. Even the play against A.J. Brown in the Super Bowl, he was in the right spot. He just kind of got tripped up. That was a unfortunate tripped up on his own feet. For 95% of that route, he was right in A.J. Brown's hip pocket. And that was a legit wide receiver one last year. McDuffie has me excited. Let's switch uh, items here. We're talking about guys that have stood out to us. But if we're talking about heroes, let's talk zeros. Is there a guy that has disappointed you this preseason or that you would say, gosh, he he needs for his own sake and or for the team, he needs to he needs to step it up. I don't think I do. I really don't. There's no wide receiver, offensive line. There's not really anything. No, honestly, no. Uh, there's not a certain player. I mean, if you want to say uh, someone who I think the Chiefs need to have step up, I'd say anyone on the defensive line, especially with the situation regarding Chris Jones, you know, that that's your FAUs, Charles Aminahus, that's your George Karloftis, your, I guess, Keandre Coburn right now with Turk Wharton being on the pup list. I would say th- those guys, uh, especially D-line, and I guess if you want to say offensive line with Donovan Smith um, and Jawan Taylor, I'm still very high on Wanya Morris for the future, but what does it mean this year? Uh, I don't know. I think Donovan Smith is the other guy I'm really having my a close eye on. Are you worried? <clears throat> I guess I'll just throw this out there. I'm a little worried about the I'm a little worried about the defensive line. It's hard to find anything positive of people saying much coming out of camp about the defensive line. Like you hear about Trent McDuffie's making the leap. You don't hear about George Karloff this in that same lens as like a former first round pick making the leap. Mm-hmm. Um Turk Wharton's out. You don't hear anything about Keandre Coburn seizing the moment. Yeah. Derek Naughty is already a known commodity and the most I've heard about him from camp is is saving another dog on Twitter. Can, can I point something out really quickly, though? While I agree 100%, you know how hard it is for a defensive player, especially a defensive lineman, to shine in training camp? I get it. I get You're it. Not, they're not making sexy catches. They're not making the throws. It's not the fun position. As much as the running back market has been devalued, it's still fun seeing a dude go out there and – and score a touchdown, and you can't even hit necessarily at this point, so they look even better. Yep. The offense always has the advantage. If you're a cornerback, you're on the field going up against these guys, you can come down with a highlight interception. Yep. If you are a linebacker, if you are a defense alignment, you get no love right now. It's so hard to shine. Okay, but this would be my pushback. My pushback would be that we're not even hearing about guys who look good compared to the other guys, even at that position. I'm not hearing any like Mike Dana's out uh, with you know, with an injury, uh, Wharton's out with injury, Jones is missing. And then their absence 
It doesn't sound like anyone is really rising up to claim a spot. There's no Joe Cullen's not at the podium going, you guys, you're going to love this Coburn kid. He's gets it. Blah, 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 blah. I'm hearing none of that. I'm hearing nothing from Spags. I'm hearing nothing from, from even Coach Reed overall about the defensive line. If there's anything at all about the defensive line, it's just the fact that Jones is not there, and that's it. And the fact that that Felix has, has missed time and that he needs to catch up. So all you have there is a series of injury reports and guys missing without any real, like no one is seizing the opportunity there at all. And by the way, we're looking at guys like Daniel Wise and Matt Dickerson and Phil Hoskins as part of this rotation. And you know what? I'm sorry. It's worrisome to me. What this should be about is Chris Jones being in there in the middle, coaching up a ton of young investments from Coburn to Felix to to George and so on. So if the game is won or lost in the trenches and the trenches don't look good for the Chiefs in the early going, you're going to see some fingers pointed back at training camp going, you know what? It took them a long time to even get things together there in the first place. No, I'm fine. If there was a position that is worrisome, it would be D-line, especially with Carl Loftus. I, he had a great year last year at K-State, especially for a team that's very untraditional. Putting up numbers in that defense is very, very impressive. That that should honestly be a starting and a talking point more. The numbers he put up in that non-NFL style, very weird defense was – it's pretty incredible. It's impressive. But he's so young. I mean, that's part of the Chiefs like young players typically. Now, yeah. I know Pacheco wasn't but as a seventh rounder. Like, if they're drafting first and second round, they typically like to go with young, young guys. I mean, FAU is a young, young guy. Expecting a ton, for, a ton from him this year, you know, it might be a little uh, bite off more than you can chew, a little too much dip on your chip. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't want to be – look, I don't want to be down on camp in the same way that I don't want to, like, get too hype on guys – in camp, right? You got to you got to olympicize these things and take off the highest and the lowest score. These guys are practicing. That's what they're doing. So, yeah, yeah I'm I'm with you. But we shall see. We shall see. Um folks, well, we've reached the end of our, another show here. Uh but before we go, we always bring in our esteemed producer, Richard, uh who will now appear magically. Look at that. Like what is rainbow jersey and all? All the primary yeah. colors. It's my sports jersey, guys. It's how I'm going to rep uh, any and all sports for the following year. Sports jersey. Yep. Just a generic sports jersey. On the back, it says sports team. Dude, Richard, you're a badass, man. You are. <laughs> you know what? I'm just trying to save money. Jerseys are very expensive. So, they like, why, why buy every jersey, all the jerseys, when you could just buy one that represents all sports? So, you know, you got soccer here. You know, you've got a. That just says zero zero, but you got you know it covers all bases literally for baseball. So you know, <laughs> yo, best comment. This is the uh, maybe the winner of the day. Richard looks like the living embodiment of Uno. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, if you could see this, I would draw four right now. I've reversed that. Oh, dang it! He just reversed it, folks. You're uh, if you're listening, we've reached the point in the show where we call the must list, where we uh, all recommend something, something random. I, yeah. Uh, Richard, you want to go first for us since you are dressed for the occasion? Let's do it, guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna recommend something totally off the wall. As is Richard. Uh, actually, I'm not. I'm, I've decided for the next four months list. So I'm just gonna do nothing but music. But I'm just gonna I'm gonna have you some weeks and then not have you. But this week, I think I'm having you. Maybe I'm gonna recommend uh, the 1967 album by Blood, Sweat, and Tears. I've really grown to enjoy this one. Uh, a lot of people love their debut, but 
Their second album's rad. This is like a jazz rock band. I've been, I've always enjoyed bands that have brass sections. So like Chicago, I love Chicago. Oh yeah, uh, it's very you cool. Live in music. Chicago. I live in Chicago. I enjoy Chicago. My uh, Instagram name, I won't say it out loud, but it is a Chicago reference to Saturday in the Park. So I do love Chicago, but I love any band that has a brass section. Uh, Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Uh, this album in particular rocks. I love it a lot. It's like a great album to put on when I, at least personally, when I have no other idea of what to put on, I'll just put this one on, and it's jaunty. It's fun. I can get chores done I can, I can feel productive i can go on a bike ride uh i can i can party to this album i i, I bet so yeah check out blood sweat and tears uh you can also find it for like six dollars like everywhere you go because nobody wants it uh you should all get it everyone buy this album it's great brass grass and taking out the trash that's what Hell Richard's yeah. all about <laughs> i don't i don't even know what to say I don't even i'll, know I'll say accept that, that. Oh, uh, by the way, my shirt's pretty cool too. I see. Uh, I we look blah with the uh, with the black shirts because Richard came in strong. I got a nice little MGMT little dude repping band. That's cool. I love it. Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty out there. Come on now, Pearl Jam. Yeah, like a Pearl Jam going on. Uh, my man, my muscles for the day is. Uh, do you guys like the Killers? Hell yeah. Yeah, man. Did you ever? Um, so I, you know. I feel like everyone got into the killers early and then they kind of like, Oh, they're still around. Like one of those kind of bands, maybe not, but did you guys listen to pressure machine? I don't think so. Their no. last album. That exactly it. Right. Everyone's like, Oh yeah. Mr. Brightside. And then, Oh, they're still around. I guess they're still touring Mr. Brightside. That's all I think of dude. Their last album was called pressure machine. Do you guys like uh Springsteen? No, not really. He's fine. I enjoy him. Oh my gosh. It's the I, most New Jersey thing. No, it's fine. It's just, I, it, it's fine. I worship Springsteen. Yeah, the boss is cool. I love him so much. My One of my favorite. <laughs> that's it. That's it right there. Yeah. Ripper dancing on the dock. Dude, what the? You're like a bad Ellis impersonator doing Springsteen. Uh, my favorite, one of my favorite Springsteen albums is Nebraska. My favorite song is on there, Atlantic City. It's like an all acoustic demos kind of thing. The Killers did that. It was like they were listening to all Nebraska all the time and they made an album and it's called Pressure Machine. And it's like the most beautiful thing. I, I love it so much. So uh yeah, if you if you hopped out of the killer's car for a while and were like, or what are they up to? Step back into the Nebraska uh themed pressure machine. That's what I would say. Uh shout out to Clifton Johnson. He says, I dig bass, earth, wind, and fire, great brass section. Uh Mizzou 19. Stu knows about Mr. Brightside. Hashtag Mizzou hoops. If you know, you know. I sure do. Uh and then Justin says Nebraska is a masterpiece. So there you go. Again, I'm not saying I, I dislike, I don't not say I dislike the boss, but it's just fine for me it's just not not my cup of tea i'm not saying he's not talented i'm not saying that that wasn't a phenomenal album i'm just saying it's not for me we all have our own tastes I, i'm gonna give you no uh, you're wrong do you think do you think bruce springsteen sang like jailhouse rock is that no what no it was the way you were singing him earlier i'm just convinced that you think <laughs> you he's thought right. that was an elvis impersonation is what you thought i was going with yeah i was trying to go yeah, okay he had kind of a curled up lip whatever it doesn't matter I do have the pompadour kind of rocking, you know, so I get it. It's tough. Um, I got two. What do you got, man? One, I haven't done a real metal one in a long time. So for all the metal fans, Rain in Blood by Slayer. Okay. That album is, it took metal 
from a place that it never was to a place that all of a sudden it became very popular. Uh, Rain and Blood, obviously the, the title track, Raining Blood, was on it. Piece by Piece was outstanding as well. The drummer Dave Lombardo was just ridiculous. The drummer was just kicking so much ass on this album. It was only like 28 minutes long, too. It, it was the first album that they did with um, Rick Rubin. Uh, Rick Rubin, who has done obviously almost every single major album, it's crazy how many how many albums he's produced, came and was like, it's only 28 minutes. That's fine because 28 minutes of kick-ass music. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Next thing you know, they went from their old their old uh, record producer to, to was it Def Jam? Is that what it was? His, um, not Def Jam, whatever Rick Rubin's producing company was, and it just took off. So got to give a shout out to Rain and Blood by Slayer. You said you had two. I'll save it for next week. Oh, all right. I was going to give you two, but I figured that was a, a deep enough dive into that album that, uh, you know. Love it. It's fine. Love it. You going to take us out of here? No. Richard's going to. No, I'll do it. This is the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Thank you guys so much for hanging with us, for listening with us, for having fun with us. Maybe you had fun. I appreciate everyone commenting. It was uh, very enjoyable seeing your guys' interactions, uh, talking with us, giving us your thoughts, uh, your ideas, why we're wrong, why we're right. That's fun. It's training camp season, baby. Uh, we keep rolling on. And by the way, first preseason game, the Hall of Fame game. On Thursday, just two days away, Browns and Jets. Chiefs, first preseason game, August 13th. We're with you up until then, with you the entire season as well. Going to have a lot of fun. Thank you guys so much. And again, if you want to drop us a review, that means a ton to us. Helps us out a lot. You'll also get shouted out. We'll read it. Um, Hopefully it's five stars. Come on now, please, for us. One, two, three, four, five. Until next time, we are out. Labrapoodle. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.